I've got another wicked guest in front of me. Welcome back to the Stephen Sully study. I'm here at Woodbury House. I've got Ashley Fear Pain. Is that how I pronounce it? Fear Fain. Fear Fain. Okay, yeah, it's, it's treasure. Fear yes. Fain. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much, brother, oh, and welcome to the podcast. Love. We were just talking about social media yeah. and the benefit of the social media yeah. these days. Yeah. Is um, I hit you up probably a few days ago, and yeah. then boom, you're yeah. in the podcast studio, yeah. studio having a having a, this conversation with me. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's talk about, so you're 41 years of age, yeah. I'm 35 years yeah. of age, and as I said off air, we both knew life yeah. before social media was around. Yeah. What's your take on social media now? Um, as, as most say, I think it's a gift and a curse. You know, there's loads of great things like you can get in touch with folks from around the world. But sometimes there's some of us who view someone's life and they see everything that's great but they don't know the hardship that they had to go through to achieve all of that great stuff. So I, I think that a lot of kids, they just see, like sometimes they see these young guys with a lot of money and this and that, and they want it straight away and they don't understand the grind and the pain that they had to go through to get that. So I think, you know, the bad thing about it is that a lot of kids, you know, they get pick, picked on there as well. If you get into fights and you lost a fight, it's filmed and then it's there and you... You know, you're made to look a fool and then you feel bad. And then sometimes that's how some kids get killed because they're like, oh, i got to come back. So there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. As I said, you can reach out to anyone in the world and you can have you can make some great friends through there. Like you've never met them, mm -hmm. but you just have little chats and that. So um, it's good things and bad things. But I, I am very proud that I came from the time when we could go outside and just play outside in the streets. Like a lot of these kids don't know that where you could hang outside and just have fun with your friends and like not being online, like not being on your phone, mm. just enjoying life as a child. And I think a lot of these kids, they don't have that now. Yeah, I think I think we, I don't think it's something that we can stop in regards mm. to technology. I think it's on this big momentum and I don't think this, this force can be stopped. The downside to it, there's an upside, which is business connecting yeah. to people, etc. Yeah. But the downside is sometimes kids, younger people, don't know how to have a good time without the technology. And yeah. it's a bit sad, really, because they get pulled into this virtual world and they're comparing themselves to the Joneses. Yeah. Oh, I haven't got this. Mm. Or I haven't got that body. Mm. Or I should be doing this. Why am I not rich? Why am yeah. I not in shape? And that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that leads to mental health stuff. Being a pro boxer, yeah. pro athlete, and yeah. being, you know, touring the world and everything else, have you ever seen it affect people's performance because they get sucked too much into the social media aspect of things? Um, Some of my friends in America, like, before a fight, like, they would switch it off because they didn't want to read anything or, like, the bad stuff. Because I always remember I was 22 years old and it's just when, like, these four forums were just out and then I used to go in there and they, they would talk about me. Oh, Ashley's not good. He won't do anything. Oh, like he's this, he's that. And then, then I would just read like, I would just think as like I was 25 or so. And I think, why are they talking so bad about me? And they don't know me. So I was like a young man at that time. But if you're younger than that, if you're a teenager and you're seeing these folks like make fun of you, you know, it's not nice and it can hamper your, you know, the way that you feel about yourself, like self, self-hate. So um, it is a shame, but I don't know. I don't think we can. I just think it's just going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Uh, um, if I can ask a personal question, yeah. is there, was there any... So I'm going to challenge the oh, elephant, oh, oh, oh. elephant in the room. Right. 
not I wasn't going to talk about football, partly because you're a Tottenham fan. I'm only joking. <laughs> um, but in football, I've interviewed a lot of footballers. Mm. There's a huge amount of racism, mm. but it doesn't mm. seem like that happens too much in boxing. Mm. Because probably no one wants to give it to someone because they're going to yeah. get probably bashed up. Yeah. But for some reason, they feel like they can do it in in in, in, in football. Mm. How, what is the worst thing that someone said to you on social media and how did you deal with it? Um, my thing is normally to do with my speech. Like they would say that I'm punch drunk, but that would that would be the normal. I wouldn't really care if they said that, oh yeah, he's he can't fight this, this, that. The punch drunk thing normally gets me mad because I started as a kid before I boxed. So like the start that I have, like it's, it's not because of like the sport. Boxing, yeah. So sometimes when I would look at like the comments then and I would read, oh, like he's punch, 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 punch drunk, the way he sounds, blah, blah. And it would, it was nice. It's nice now that a lot of times, a lot of fans know that I've spoke like this from when I, at the start. So it hasn't really changed. So they would say, nah, like he's always spoke like this or he's always had a, a thing. So for me, that would be the thing that annoys me the most is when they say, oh, he's been hit too much in the head, blah, 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 blah. So again, if I was a kid and I was reading these things online, it, you know what I mean? I would feel very, very sad. So um, it's not nice. See, even now you can see I'm saying it's not nice. You know what I mean? So especially, and because of the sport, a lot of us retire and we have a slur or whatever. It's a lot of the older guys, they speak very badly. They got a slur and this and that. So because I have my speech, speech thing, my speech thing came before the sport. But hence, but fan, but again, as you say, a lot of fans, a lot of folks nowadays, they just kind of mean and they just say a lot of stuff that they would not say in your face. So I haven't had the racism thing, but on my side, it would be like the speech thing or that, ah, oh, like he's shit, he's not very good, blah, 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 blah. But again, for me, I learned to have tough skin and just kind of prove people wrong, saying that he's not good, he's not that, he won't do this. So that kind of, so me, I would read up about myself to read the bad things, to want to prove them wrong. It would kind of spur me on to prove them wrong. So it was more like motivate, because yeah. some people deal with uh, hatred or any kind of yeah. bad comments yeah. in different ways. Some people... They'll want to look at it yeah. because if it's not there, it can't affect them. Yeah. But the other people like you would seek it out yeah. to get a bit emotionally charged because yeah. of it and then go out there and demonstrate what you can do. Yeah, me, 100%. I wanted to know, like, so say I would type my name and then search and see what comes up. And then a lot of times, majority of the time, like 99% of the time, it will always be bad. But again, that just made me just train hard to just put in my head to prove them wrong. And I have proved them wrong. A lot of them said I wouldn't be British champion. They said I wouldn't do this, that. I went on to fight for the world belt. I went on to be with Floyd. I, I, you know what I mean? So I've done so much stuff that like big, like big guys in the UK turned pro at the same time as me that they didn't go on to achieve. So, so for me, it's always been great to prove them wrong. So that's kind of been my whole kind of career, like to prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah, powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So most of the time, these people yeah. are keyboard warriors. Yeah. They only just type things and they would never, ever set foot in a ring and they never say it to your face. Yeah. But has there ever been a time here or abroad or whatever yeah. where a hater, a troll has come over to you and said something nasty? What, to my face? Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. I think majority of them 
One, they don't have the balls to come up to say it to the person's face. And a lot of times, if you're going to put someone down online, how shitty is your life? Like, even if you don't agree with what someone does, just scroll on. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you do, like if you, I just see so much, even now, you just see, like, they just go at so many celebrities. And I'm just like, how shitty is your life that you want to try to put someone down? Like, majority of the time, people who, who are achieving things in their life, they don't put people down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that's a type of, it's a type of person. If you're willing to, to, to put, like, to put on your phone, say, oh, this, that, about, 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 about someone, I think your life must be very bad for you to want to put someone down. Because I don't know. I just want to raise people up. You know what I mean? Even if there's something I don't agree with, I'll say, yeah, I just scroll on. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I just scroll on. So it's nuts the way that folk, folks are like nowadays. You yeah. Know what I mean, um, you've been a profile, you've been yeah. an athlete, you've been a winner. Yeah. What would you, what's the advice you would give to a younger person who is being trolled or bullied online? How, how would you get them to deal with that? Um, that's very hard because every because there's some, two answers, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, because some people like me, it would just build, make them resilient and make them more tough, tougher. But some folks commit suicide because of that. You know what I mean? So for people like that who don't like to read it, you know, because I mean? that's what I've seen a lot of celebrities now. They've made it that you can't comment on their page unless mm. I don't know. You know what I mean? Unless you're a friend of theirs or whatever it is. So I think like sometimes it's just like not uh, like not to read it or block them. That's one thing that I always that if someone said anything that I did not like, I would just block. So that's what I would tell like kids or young folks. Like if if people say anything that you don't like, just to block block them. It's pointless to go back and forth. Just block them. Like and just as I w- I would say to surround your folks with friends who are supportive and not friends that like to make fun of you or to put you down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So let's talk about your childhood because I want to talk about boxing, your career, your accolades, working with Floyd, your businesses you're probably involved with, traveling the world, etc. Was boxing always your destiny? Um, From when I was five years old, I wanted to box. So so that was kind of what I wanted to do from when I was a kid. So that was always the goal. Okay, okay. And was that because you had family or friends around you that influenced your mindset to become a boxer or was it just watching the likes of Ali, Tyson, these kind of people? So basically like my dad used to watch all the big fights here in America and then um, I forgot like one day I must have watched one of Mike's fights like with him and I was just like wow this looks so fun you know what I mean I was a little kid like four or five years old so I started to watch it more with my dad you know I was I would get up to watch the fights at 3am whatever it was and I was just like, yeah, like this looks so much fun. I want to do this. And um, I must have asked my mum and dad for like two years if I could go down to the gym to try this out. My mum was like, nah, she didn't want her son to get hit. And then um, I think I was like seven years old. And then my mum said, ah, oh, to take him down, I'm um, two all stars that was on the Harrow Road that was just by our house. And um, I went there and I had so much fun. So I, I liked as a little fan, a little kid fan, what, what, watching. And then I went to the gym. And I just had so much fun that I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So um, from eight years old, I would kind of just go to the gym with the other kids and just train and 
you know, hope to achieve, you know, my goals like this one, one day. I know your professional career, which we're yeah. going to get on to, yeah. uh, but your amateur career, I haven't, yeah. I haven't actually read so much about yeah. it. So um, you said All-Stars, yeah? Yeah, that All-Stars. So yeah. was that an amateur club? Yes, yeah, so I was at All-Stars for the majority of my career. I left All-Stars for like three years. I went, I went to Stoleboy Boys uh, Club, was that Stoleboy Boys Club for maybe three or four years. But I came back to All-Stars and I've been there like forever since. So I had majority of my fights at All-Stars. Um... I didn't, it was weird. I was very good and folks thought I could go on to to do very well, but I never, in the amateurs, I never could, I'll get to like the AABAs, like the Northwest Divs or whatever it was. And it's like, I'll just run into some guy who was just very good on the England team or whatever it was. And then I would lose on points. So, um, yeah, the amateurs didn't really go for me, but it was weird because when I was an amateur, I used to, I just wanted to turn pro. So my thing, I didn't really care about the amateurs as well. And as well, I was kind of, like at that time in my life, I was on roll <clears> doing like bad, bad stuff as a kid. So um, my thing, my aim was always to turn pro and I didn't really care about the amateur thing because I didn't, I thought they were corrupt. Like I would go to shows, I would think I won a fight, my team would think we won, but because it was their show, like I would lose. So it was... That went on a lot. I, I know they're trying to make some change, changes now, but the amateur game, I, I didn't, I was not a fan of. So, um, yeah. So, so being an amateur before yeah. you went over to pro, would you, do you say, would you say that it shaped and helped your confidence as a young man grow, growing up and going into a professional sport? Like boxing itself, did it, oh. as a young man, help your confidence? Oh, yeah, the sport, the sport was great for me because even, even when I say this, I... Even when I was like on the roads doing stuff I would I should not do, like I like I would be on the block like with my friends and then I would be like, ah, oh, like it's five PM now, I've got to go to the gym and then I would leave everyone, then I would go to the gym. So so the sport was kind of everyone knew like I was the guy that boxed, like from when I was a kid in school, like everyone know knew I boxed and this and that. So um that was kind of always kind of my goal from kids. So even like my school friends now would know that I did, I wouldn't go out to clubs and stuff because they would be like, yeah, like he's got a train in the morning and stuff. Yeah. So I guess the sport kept me kind of like drilled in like, and I was kind of good that I had a long-term goal. So the short term of having short-term fun in the club, I kind of stayed away and I was like, nah. So as well, you're, you kind of know your true friends because after a while, like they stopped asking me to go out because they knew that I had to train because I wanted to fight and this and that. So they respected your mission, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like while everyone was out, like my friends would come back and say, "Yeah, we met this girl, we met that girl, we had this fun." I'd be like, "Oh, cool." So I had to live with my friends, like having having fun in the club, and then me, I was just at home, just chilling and yeah. stuff, and just going to bed early. Yeah, you know what I mean. I used to fight for a club called Bromley and Downham. Okay. Boys, um, run by Reg and Richard Foster. Okay. Um, I had ten amateur amateur fights for them and funny enough what you said about like being on the road and maybe doing stuff outside the boxing which yeah. wasn't so good but it's yeah. part of being a young man yeah um when i was doing research because the club bromley down and nearly shut down twice okay and on two times i've actually raised money for that club okay. once out of my own pocket and the second one is when i fought for the queensbury league last yeah. time all my ticket sales went to them okay nice. um Part of the reason why is because the club is close to my heart. Mm. Boxing has done so much for my confidence. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't have got into business for myself without boxing. Yeah. 
Um, but also uh, things like, uh, unfortunately, knife crime, gang crime, robbings and that kind of stuff actually happens more when there isn't a youth boxing centre in particular boroughs of, of London. And yeah. I didn't want to see that happen. Yeah. Um, would you say that was true from where you were from? Like boxing actually kept people off the streets and, you know, made people feel like a bit more like a family? Yeah, 100%. Like, that's what I would say. We were, like, with the sport, like, your friends, your family, like, you make friendships for life. So that's one thing about the sport. Like, say with All-Stars, I've been All-Stars since the A-80s. And, um, I would, like, I would be in America, but I would always come back to see the club. Even now, I'm still there at the club. So that's one kind of thing I feel like you need a gym in the community. Naming you know I mean? Because you can't save all kids, but some kids you can save. And mm. those who, you know I mean? It's like, and me, it's the AAK, like who, like who was at the gym? He's helped so many kids. So you could name, like you can't even name all of them because it's just so much. So it's kind of nice to know that this gym has changed and helped so many lives so hence now like i've retired hence i'm trying to have my own gym because i would want to do what mr a ak like done for me to do for so many other kids so um as you say i think i think gyms do so much good work for kids like and young young people yeah like 100 percent I know you, you, yeah, look, I wouldn't normally ask you this question well, if it was just me and you, mm. uh, because it could come across as quite intrusive, but I'm a podcaster. My, my job is to ask tough questions. Go on. Before boxing, then you said stuff like outside of boxing that you shouldn't yeah. be get up to. Yeah. Can you share with me what sort of stuff that was? Anyone that wants to know, by Raised by the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> That's your book, yeah? That's my book, by Raised by the Hood. But um, yeah, it's just doing... You know what I mean? I, I went, I always remember, see, I went jail for six months. Um, and if I didn't go to jail, I was 19 years old. If I didn't go to jail at that time, like I, I came out, I was in there for six months. And then I came out and I was like, yeah, I ain't, I'm going to stop now. I'm just, it's just going to box, 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 box. So sometimes you need to make mistakes to know, like, you really want to do this or that life is not really for you. Because I was there for six months and I was like yeah like and there was a lot of guys that were going to jail for 10 years around around and I'm like yo like he's he's kid and he's going to jail for so long and that's I was like I came out and I was just like yeah like I'm just gonna put everything into the sport and just see how see how much I can achieve and um yeah so that's basically what it's sometimes as you said you make mistakes as a young man and sometimes those mistakes as long as you learn from those mistakes you know what I mean? That, that's what it is. It's, so, all, it's all part of growing up, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if I can ask then, go on. why did you go to jail? Um, well, I was found not guilt, guilty of... Um, I was told not to say before, so I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. But if you buy the book, you can see it in the book. What's okay. in the book? All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, I'm not going to say it online. Go on. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so um, uh, obviously growing up, become a, an, a, an amateur and then yeah. you turned pro in 2003 right well again it was 2002 and um it took me like eight to nine months to get an opportunity to um fight so again if you really want some some something like sometimes you just have to work because we went to all the promoters and because i didn't win anything as an, am, an amateur 
a lot of the promoters are like, nah, we don't care about him. Like, he like he can fight our guy. And I even got offered to fight Dawes. Like, on my first fight. I think it was his first fight. And they were saying, nah, do you want to fight Dawes? And I was like, and I knew him from the amateurs when he won the ABAs. And I was like, this kid's good. So I was like, I want to fight him, but I would like to fight him for, like, the British, like, one day. So it's weird that, like, I think eight years, like, went by and then we fought for the Brit British. Because... Cause I was in America at that time. I was world number four, and um, they offered me a fight, and then I said, "Nah, the only person that I'll come back to England for is Dawes, because I remember him from the amateurs, and he's British champion now, so he's someone who I respect." Blah blah blah. So then I came back home to fight him. So I turned pro in two thousand three, but it actually took me like eight to nine months to get that chance because no promoter would give me a chance here. So. You know what I mean? It's nuts. Cool. So um, you obviously won the British title. Yeah. What was that feeling like when you won the British title? Um, To win the British, like for me, it was great because like, as again, as I said, I was world number four. I'd come back England to fight the British. But even when I came back, it was weird. Like all of the fans were saying, oh, like they were going on, like doors were supposed to win. Reporters were going on, like doors were supposed to win. I was like, I'm world number three. This guy's like 20 in the top 20. How is, how are you thinking that he's going to beat me? So again, it was like I had to come back to prove people wrong and stuff because they thought that he was going into me win. Because even Steve Bunce, I have to shout out Steve Bunce, all the way through like the first six rounds of the fight, he, he was like, yeah, Ashley's been in America but that doesn't really mean much. <laughs> like, and he was saying, yeah, he's not throwing enough shots. He's not throwing enough shots. By like, I think it was the 10th round that I put doors down. He said, oh, Ashley's doing great. That work that he done in America is showing. Oh, mm -hmm. go on, Ashley. <laughs> like, so it's just weird the way that folks would just ride different waves. And I mean, at first you said you did, like, I was in America, I didn't mean much. Then when I've put the champion down and it looks like I might win now, like, oh, the sparring he did in America was really good and stuff. So um, for me, it, it, it felt so good because I proved so many people wrong. But then a lot of the fans, they turned against me because um, I said I only wanted it. I wanted to go back to like like the U the USA like straight afterwards. And they was like, why would you just win the British belt for like one fight and go back to America? Like America was where all the big fights were. Like I had fought like so many of like these former world champs and stuff. And I think because I would say like the guys who I fought as British champion, if you're sparring with world champions in the USA and you've beaten some like world ranked guys and stuff, why would you want to come back home to just fight on the domestic scene again? Like mm. it didn't make, it didn't make sense to me and it doesn't make sense in the scheme of things. Hence you got Ben now who's in, he's, he's trying to fight these guys in America and a lot of the fans are saying, oh, why don't you fight a domestic guy? Why am I going to fight a domestic guy? And I'm, I'm world ranked. Hmm. Like I want to fight. He wants to fight for a belt. Like it, it doesn't make sense to take that risk. But I think sometimes fans, they just, they want to see great fights and they're like, oh, it'll be a good fight. But I got my own goals. Like my own goals ain't to give you, it's, it's bad to say, it's not to give me, be the fans a great fight for Britain. I'm trying to give fans in the world a great fight. You know what I mean? If Ben, like, like I'm saying, if Ben was to fight, the European champion, 
no one in the world cares about that fight. Just like Britain. If he, if he, if he was to fight the Turkish guy, no one in the world don't care. Except for here and the Turkish folks. So like, that's why I can respect the route that Ben is doing now. Because he's trying to fight some big boys in the world. Hence, he's going to fight like a, for, a former world champion. Algeria, next. is it? Yeah. So, at the end of the day, I prefer to fight that name, which is known in, in America and in the world, than fight some folks that's not known out of their community. Like, yeah. it, at the end of the day, it's pro boxing and it's a business. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think some, some, sometimes the fans, they, <coughs> they miss that. That it's business first, it's business first all the time. Do you know what? I wasn't going to talk about this until later on, but yeah. funny you should say that. Um, when I've spoken to some people are for it and some people are against it, and I'm referring to like when Mayweather fought uh, Conor, um, Conor McGregor yeah. or then when he fought someone like a Logan Paul. Yeah. And people always got something something to say. And yeah. a lot of the time it's 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 quite like, you know, Bitter. It's like mm. they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. So, but you have to understand something. This is a business number yeah, one. First. It's about making money. And regardless whether you talk about it's been authentic to boxing or yeah. to the sport or not, number one, it's about making money for you and your family. Yeah. Whatever's going to put well, food on the table. Well, this is what you see. A lot of the older, older pros and the older champions, they went broke because they fought for the fans and they wanted to put on great fights for us, which is great for us because we love those great fights. But at the same time, a lot of them, they ended up broke. Yeah. So how can you be a world champion, some big, big star, and you end up broke? Yeah. So these guys of today, maybe you do, <clears throat> like fans don't respect them as much as the olden guys, but at least they can pay their bills as an old man and continue to look after their kids, which is why you do a job in the first place so you could take care of your family and your kids. Yeah. So I kind of see it. Sometimes it's a shame we don't get to see like great fights. Say like a lot of fans they wanted to see Ben and um Josh. Yeah. That would have been a great fight. It could have gone either way. It would be a great fight. But at the same time, you know what I mean? Some folks they don't want to take that risk at that stage in their career and they're just like, we'll wait till we achieve more and we're both champions and we can fight each other. So I understand it from both views because I've been a fan of the sport. And I've done the sport and I've been with Floyd where I hear the meetings with like the top guys and stuff. And I, and then I see the way the sport is run and you're like, okay, you know what I mean? So, yeah. But, and also my comeback to these people where they're, when they're, when they're slandering, let's say boxing or boxers later on yeah. is I'm a Chelsea fan, right? Yeah. And Didier Drogba went off after Chelsea to, I think China. Okay, and he yeah, played, yeah, yeah. played a couple of seasons and he probably would have got 300 grand a week or something yeah, crazy. Madness. But no one criticises really footballers for doing it because they understand it's at the back end of their career and they've got yeah. to make as much money as yeah. they can because yeah. potentially they won't be making any more revenue yeah, later on. Done. So why would people criticise a Mayweather or a Titan coming mm. back to make a cool 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 million yeah. and it's an easier way of doing it than going down a different route i just don't understand that psychology and it is again a business see say there were some fans who even say why doesn't floyd like come back and fight spence or why doesn't he come back and doesn't fight canelo why am i at 42 years old whatever age he is going to come and fight a man who's in his like it's not smart 
Yeah. So why am I going to do that? At the end of the day, we fought when we fought. He was whatever age it was. And people tend to forget when Floyd fought Canelo, he was past his prime. I don't think he was in his prime. And the week before the fight, he had bad hands. So he still beat Canelo with bad hands. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of fans, they just kind of, I think when you're a fan of the sport, you're like, you don't like Floyd. Like, you find any real, real reason why you want him to lose. And because the man has not lost, like, now you're like, oh, like, he can't be the best ever. for because, like, he didn't fight this guy or that guy. At the end of the day, he wanted to call himself the TBE. If you believe that or not, that's cool. But Ali called himself the greatest as well. And many people say it's Ray Robinson. So... You know what I mean? It is it subjective is, for them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It is what it is. Like my favorite is Roy Jones, but he he but he lost like nine times. But to me, Roy Jones is the best ever. Like you know what I mean? He's my favorite of all time. So I think fans they like take it like they take it like you're like saying some bad stuff about their mum or some something. I don't know. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I had. Mick Conlon on my podcast okay, yeah. uh, recently. He was a mm. great guest and I think he's a great, great fighter. And he's, yeah. I think he's fighting for a world champion yeah, that's what I was gonna say. in March. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's, he's a legend. Yeah. Um, then I haven't had this guy on my podcast, but Amir Khan. The reason why I mentioned these, these two guys, because yeah. these are some of the people that jumped to my mind when, I, when we talk about British or local fighters, because mm. I know Mick's from Ireland. Yeah. But they've gone over to America first to establish a foundation, yeah. and then they do bits when? all around the world. So when did Mick go to America? He was in America first. Oh, is it? Yeah, he was in a, a, a LA, yeah, oh, for, okay. for, for a while. Oh, so nice. he made his... Uh, I think he was fighting over there most of the time. Okay. Obviously, made his pro debut yeah. at the uh, Mecca, Mecca at boxing, which yeah. is obviously in New York. Yeah, he DMGM. walked up with Floyd, uh, sorry, Conor McGregor. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, and obviously, that's how he started his journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, question I got for you, and if I was a pro boxer, mm. and if I could turn back the hands of time, let's just mm. say God said to me, right, you, you yeah. get to take this career and you're 18 years of age again or 15 yeah. years of age. Yeah. I honestly probably would start in America because okay. I've got my own reasons. Why did you want to establish yourself in America? Um, so for me, when I went to the USA, it was again from when I was a child. Like I, I started to watch the sport because I watched these American guys fight. So that's how I be became to love to love this sport. It wasn't through like British fights like Ben and, and whatever. So um, I always wanted to fight over there. And then when I was 24 years old, I was like, I think I was nine and one. And I was like, I got to go there now because like I'm getting older, innit? Like I'm getting older. So um, I went over to New York and um, they just kind of, I went there for a month and they kind of just showed me love from the start. And where I wasn't getting no press here or no love here, straight away the guys in Glee since Jim was like, yeah, he's good enough to be a world champ. Like this guy, like he's good, blah, blah, blah. And then I would spar with so many guys that like I sparred with, Juan Guzman, Paulie Mack, Mack, what's it, Malik Nack, Nagy. Yeah, Malinagy. Yeah, sparred with Raul Frank. Um, mm. So many guys. So again, the thing is, sometimes you have to go where you get shown love in it. And um, I used to go over there to train and stuff. Dimitri Salita as well, he used to fly me over for camp. So that was the first time that I was doing like real camp that we would go up in the mount, mount, mountains and stuff and 
Like, it was just great. I was like, wow, like, this is what I want to do. So I was like 26 at the time then. So for me, being 24 to 25 and I'm in America and I'm getting so much love, then I come back home, then I got a fight at York Hall and I don't get no love. Like, why would I want to be here? Like, where Frank Warren and these guys ain't showing me no love. But the funny thing was, like, I think Khan, Hatton, they all started to go to the USA, like, after me. So when I was over there, like, Brits wasn't doing camp. Like, now Brits go to there, like, all the time. But when I went, it was just me. Then I think Amir went, then Hatton went. And it was just kind of, like, us three at the time. So it, it's, it's, it's nice to see, but it, it's kind of weird at the same time. Like, I was before the trend, so... I went over there before a lot of these Brits even wanted to go. Because a lot of... It's the same thing where you got Kel... I don't want to, like, throw shade on Kel Brook. But you got guys like Kel Brook who wouldn't leave the UK to go over there. And if he had left the UK, he probably would have achieved more. Like, I think his best win is against Sean. Porter, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If he was over there from that... From when he won the belt against Sean, he should have stayed going over there... And he would have had like a better a better career instead of trying to get the Khan fight for so many years. Like Khan went over there and he had a great career because he was fight cool. They make fun, oh, like he lost to this guy to that guy. But Khan had if you look at the stats of who Khan fought, no one in British other than Lennox Lewis has fought the type of guys that Khan fought. You know what I mean? So um, I I just think if you want to box. And you're British and you want to be the best you could be, like you should always go over there because you will improve like so much. And I know a lot of the Brit, like the co coaches here say, ah, like what's wrong with us and this and that. But it's not just the coaches, it's the sparring as well because everyone from all over the world fly over there to spar. And everyone wants to get their break and be a and be a star. So the sparring there is so intense and you improve like just so much. So for me, if I if I knew guys and stuff, I would always say to save up your little change to go over to like America to to improve and to be better. And then you will come back here. Cause even Ben went over there. I think Ben went over there for like two weeks with Hearn for a little bit. And I see that he spar sparred with a few of these stars there. Like and I mean, he seemed chuffed because he was over there like that. And I, again, because when we're over here, I think we're friendly, like we're Brits, we're nice and, and stuff. Like when you go over there, like especially being a Brit, if you go over there, the Americans will try to knock you out. Like so it's like when you spar, it's like a fight. So it it pre like prepares you for the real thing. So hence, that's why I think a lot of these young Brits should be going over there more and more and more because they will improve themselves. So talk about sparring, mm. something which is quite well known, well, yeah. I certainly know yeah. about it, mm. obviously being a Mayweather fan and mm. watching that whole Mayweather camp. Yeah. Something called the Doghouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Did you have your fair share of Doghouse moments? Yeah, like I, like I was called it again, if you read my book, Raised by the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, yeah, like for me, it because I was... See, it would be weird if I just came straight from the UK to go over there that I would have had a shock. But because I had been in New York for five to six years, like beforehand, 
I had acclimatized to the way that the Americans were because they because they were like that in Gleason's gym as well. But in Mayweather gym, I've tried at Gleason's. Yeah, at Mayweather gym, it was more of a show. Like they bang on the the, the thing and. It was just more like all out war. Like, and when everyone would watch, when the sparring was good, like everyone would watch and it would feel like a fight and stuff. Like you had to be on your A-year game to spar. And um, yeah, like some people, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you see folks that get like knocked out in the gym there. A lot of times they ask for the sparring. Like they were like, oh, you are what? The spar. And then they try to pick on a guy who's better than them. And then it goes pear-shaped. So a lot of the times the person who gets KO'd in the gym there is the person who try who tried to start start it. They want it to be like all eyes on me, like to get everyone to watch. But nine times out of ten, it doesn't go well for you like that. So for me, because I was a pro that went over there and a lot of them already knew me, they were respectful and they were respectful of me. But they also were like, yo, like this actually guy can fight. Like it was always like it was like a good spar when I would spar with whoever. And then um, that's how I got to spar with Floyd because he heard about this guy that was just going, just going through the gym, just tearing everyone up. And then I got to spar with Floyd. But when I got to spar with Floyd, I didn't want to spar Floyd because I was going to get signed. So I was like, snap, like I'm, I'm going to get signed. I don't want to spar Floyd. And then he beats me up and then he goes like, oh, this guy's shit. Like, I don't want to sign, sign him. So when I first was going to spar Floyd, I didn't want to spar Floyd because I had already been signed. And I was like, I just want to stay safe. Like, just stay safe. But we sparred and it was fun. Like, it was fun. Like, I sparred him like five times in all. Yeah. I was I was going to say, what was it like sparring Floyd Mayweather? Um, sparring Floyd is like a show in itself. Like everyone's there, like everyone just bang, just bangs on the thing, start, start barking and stuff. And, um, a lot of guys, a lot of guys there, they go within themselves and they get scared and then that's when they get beat up. But the people who tend to do well are the people that don't let the occasion like get like to them. So with me and Floyd, um... It was always, it always went, it always went, it always went, well, it was fun. Because he might catch you a shot and he tried to say some shit to you. He tried to smile at you and then I'd just be in there just trying to work and stuff. So a lot of times I surprised the guys and, um, yeah, like, I, I done all right still. So, um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was like an event, you know what I mean? Because he's in there. So, um, I... I'm obviously a big boxing fan. Yeah. I've actually sponsored a few fighters in, okay. in, in my time. Bradley Skeet being one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Sam Webb, who okay. used to be down yeah, Brooklyn, down them. Um, and I once went, and I've said this a few times on my podcast, I once went down to the old Haymaker gym okay, to watch yeah. Bradley Skeet spar George Groves. Okay. And one but thing Skeet's I always... small, small. Mixed race guy, yeah. Hey, he's, now, he's small, he's small. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, George Grove was sparring, I think, three or four guys okay. back to back okay. and part of in the mix to okay. help Bradley out. Okay, okay. He was sparring him. All right. And I said, when I left there, I said, I said to people that who knew I went, went down there to watch the sparring, I said, You think these guys are great when you see them on TV? Yeah. You should see them when they're in a sparring environment yeah. when there's no cameras and they're just flowing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So, the question I want to ask you is obviously, Floyd Mayweather is an amazing fighter. He, I mean, for me, he's the best ever. Yeah. How good is he, really, when you're in a ring with him? Um, I would say Floyd, Floyd is very good. Like, with him, he was very smart. So I remember once Floyd came up to me and said, what do I do the best? Like, what do you think is my strength? 
and I said that you're smart. Like that's for me, that was the hardest thing because he doesn't even have to punch, but he would make you sweat because he just fakes all the time. So you're like, when's he gonna throw? Like you're just trying to fake you all the time. So his movement and his if you if you throw a punch, he would try to set you up. So then he gets to see what you do if I fake and you throw that and he just and then he just capitalizes like by the first two rounds he knows your style. So something if you watch me in fights as well, he he learns your style within the first two rounds and then after that, majority of the time the spar is over. Like he knows everything you're going to do before you do it. And then he just he just rains he just rains on you. So um if you make a mistake, you're getting punched in the face. So um with Floyd, he was very he was very he was very smart, very quick. And um, yeah, like for me, for me, it was fun because I was just, I like I would be in the ring and I would look around, see him there, be like, oh, snap, I'm in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. So for me, it was always fun. Hence, he always shows me respect and that because I wasn't one of the ones that would get scared and then just get beat, beat up me. I would just be like, just give everything, just like, just give everything, just you know name I me, mean? just be on my, my best. So um, for me, it was fun, but it was great to be in the ring with him because at that time he was the best in the world so just to share the ring with the best in the world and get paid like you can't go wrong with that well he's known for his defense and he's known yeah. for not ever really getting hit yeah but did you ever punch Floyd Mayweather in the face no 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 I hit Floyd but the funny thing is that's what I used to tell folks sometimes watching Floyd spar is better than his fights because a lot of times he has walls in there so there, like, there would be some fights where I said Floyd was going to KO the guy because in sparring, he was going to war. So it was, sometimes it was weird for me. Like in sparring, he would go to war. Like say that like a um, Guerrero fight. I thought he was going to KO him because in the sparring, every day, war, 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 just go into war with big guys. Then when he came to the fight, he just float around the ring and box. So I always found it weird how inspiring Floyd would stand there and fight and just go at it and then it would come to the fight then he would just turn and just box and move and I would be like how can you be able to do that and you don't get I'm tired because you're not doing that in the gym so for me it was always weird but it just shows how good he is and what he was doing away from the gym as well so uh last question about the, the the relationship yeah, on, between you and Floyd yeah. um obviously Floyd being a great boxer what was it like like, I don't know if you want to call him mentor or coach to you slightly, but what was he like as like a friend, a business affiliate to you outside of the ring? What's he like as a person? Um, I would say with Floyd, um, he wanted to help the boxers that wasn't there. A lot of, when I signed with Floyd, I was the 10th guy signed. And a lot of the team were guys, I don't want to call us rejects, but we were guys who... No one wanted to sign us. You had Ishay Smith. No one didn't want to sign him. Badu Jack. No one did it, didn't want to sign him. Like you had Jay Lee on Love. Mickey Bay. So these were guys who were good, but other promoters didn't want to sign them for whatever thing. And Floyd wanted to help them. He knew a little bit about their life and whatever it is. And he was like, that's what he would say. Not all of you will become world champion but I help you to provide for your family. So again, it goes to the point, it's a job at the end of the day. So um, I would say with Floyd, he tried to advise you and stuff and a lot of the young ones as well, he liked to advise, advise them. But um, so he was cool. That's what I'm saying. Like he like he was cool. Like if, if some of them, if they couldn't pay their rent, 
he would pay their rent. If they didn't have a car like me, I didn't have a car in the place, he would buy you a car. So he would cool. He would take us out to eat and stuff. So um, we would go for runs of him. So um, he, for someone being a big, big star the way he was, he wanted his people around him to be okay. You know what I mean? So that's why you see a lot of his team that are around him now, he's retired, were his team that were with him when I was with him like seven years ago, eight years ago. So it, it shows that he wants to make sure his family and friends are okay. And he wants to make sure the community around him are okay. There's no point in me being a star and I got all this cash and these big cars when everyone around me is struggling. So mm. that's one thing that I say I respect him for. He wants to make sure the community around him is fine and the friends and family who's around him are fine as well. So you was British champion. Yeah. That's a great achievement. Yeah. Obviously, you've had 50, 50 uh, sorry, you have 50, 50 wins. wins. Yeah. Uh, and obviously more fights than that. Yeah. As I mentioned to you, one of my favourite build-ups mm. was you against Adrian Broner. Yeah, yeah. I think part of the reason being is because when I started out seeing Adrian Broner come up, he was almost a bit tipped off as kind of the next Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, yeah. One, because he was quite a loud mouth and yeah. he used to promote himself yeah. pretty pretty well when he was quite brash. Yeah. But also he had quite a similar sort of style. People call it the Mayweather shell, the Philly shell, the shoulder roll, whatever you want to call it. And he had that kind of style about him. But you've also got a little bit of that as well. Mm -hmm. So fighting Adrian Broner, headlining in America for the world title. I mean, what the f that's an amazing achievement. What, what was that like? Um, for me, it was great fun because you had, I was with Floyd, I was with TMT and Floyd would back me. Like Floyd basically promoted the fight just like it was him and AB. And, um, like, I think AB didn't really know me at the time. He had met me like a few times, but he had never seen me fight. So he was like, who is this guy that Floyd thinks that can beat, beat me? Cause, so he wasn't sure like about me. And um, AB just done what he'd done, like the loud mouth thing, just talking a lot. And I basically would laugh because it was like, I'd watched you do it for so many years and now you're doing it with me. So for me, there's a lot of guys who say, oh, Ash, I don't know how you can stay calm and stuff. But for me, I'm, I'm from here. I was like, as long as you don't touch me, we're good. Like, you could say whatever you want. Like, I don't care. So for me, it was fun. Like, just being able... The build-up for me was, like, maybe the best build-up that I've had because it was it went on for long as well because it was from when... It was for months because the fight get it get getting pushed back. So for me... um, Was yeah. it in Vegas? No, it was in Washington. Washington, okay. So what was that like? Washington. You know, you're obviously a Londoner, yeah? yeah. And and I can I feel like I can relate to you because yeah. you're a Londoner. Yeah. And obviously going through the amateurs yeah, and, you know, doing do, 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 yeah, do, do, doing your thing. And we're, yeah. we're not too far away in, in our age. Yeah. But then going to America, being under that, you know, the, the Mayweather promotions, but then seeing your face in all these big billboards in yeah. America, I mean, yeah. that must have been quite a... You know, an overwhelming experience. Yeah, like like it was fun. It was fun. It was great. It's what you work for. Um, it's a shame I could not win because you know you always want to win those fights in it because that is great fight though. Yeah, those are like your landmark. Like you have landmark fights in your career, and you would prefer to win those landmark fights. You know, it wasn't meant to be. Um, but yeah, like it for me, I'm still proud of myself that I got that far. Like I always remembered when I'd be on the strip and I'd go for a run and I'd be like, wow, like I'm living my childhood dream. Like I always wanted to be here and I'm actually here with the best guy in the world, the best 
fuck like guy in the world. So um, yeah, like it, it proves hard work pays off. But um, it was great to be to be there. I would have loved to have won and be call myself a world champion, but you know it is what it is. So sparring or in a real fight, who is the toughest, hardest person you have fought? Um. Spence was pretty strong. So Errol Spence was strong. So Errol Spence was very strong. He hit hard. He hit hard. And then I would say fight was Pablo Caesar Cano. That was my first fight with Floyd. And um, he, again, he had bricks in his hand. Like every time I got hit by him, it hurt. So um, suspense, I would say the sparring that comes to mind now, I would probably say Spence because he was, he was strong as well. And he had just he had just been done. He sparred Floyd, and he was gonna fight that week. So he sparred me like two times before he had his fight. And then um yeah, but I, I sparred so many guys, so it's kind of hard to just pick one. But Spence comes to mind as because Sean Porter was also good as well to spar. You know what I mean? So um, there's a lot of them. It's a lot of them. And being a boxer, quite naturally, what comes with the territory, or yeah. being an athlete, yeah. is injury. Yeah. What is the worst injury injury you've experienced? Um, I would say injuries. I've I've had like two that were pretty bad. I had my thing, finger bone here like come out in the fight, so that hurt. So that hurt for months, and then um, my shoulder hurt as well. As well, when I was in camp with um Floyd, so that was like annoying as well because you can't can't throw a jab. So I haven't really had bad, bad ones. So I've been blessed like that. But um, yeah, I've had a, a few, like my hand and then my shoulder, 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 but nothing that kept me out for too long. Yeah. You've obviously been around the block as far as fighting's concerned. You know, yeah. 50 fights and, yes. and you won, won them. Yeah. Um, the difference between a good boxer and a fighter, what would you say those characteristics are? Um, I would say boxers, a lot of them who are good, a lot of them, they're not, they get tired. Like they don't do their road work or they don't train as hard because they just rely on their skills. So that's kind of one thing. When I went to the USA, I kind of thought I could box. I was like, yeah, I'm flary, boom, 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 I could jab and that. But them guys were better than me at that. I was like, oh, damn, these guys are good. So I had to adapt my style and become to fight more, to, to grind them down. So um, even if you're a guy that fight, I don't say you fight with your face, but even to, uh, to push the fight, to attack, you still have to have a good defense. Because if you don't have a good defense, you're going to get hit all the time. So you have to bob and weave, you have to block, duck and stuff. You have to have a get to have a good jab to get in close to work inside. So... um. I would say both have their strengths, you know, and, you know, they say a good bo boxer, if you have a good jab and that, like, it, it, it's kind of, that's what you need. But a lot of them, Americans, I'll say, a lot of them who can box and they got the sil silky moves, they don't train as hard because they just believe their skills can take them far. And then you got, you got guys like Sean Porter that train hard and can fight. So, um... It's kind of, yeah, that's a, it's a tough one. Bit, bit, bit of a breakdown on that. Yeah. Okay, so this is the last part of the podcast where I just want to ask you a few right. things. So now you're retired. Yeah. You're only 41 years young. Yes. So you've got so much ahead of you. I am, yeah. Um, 
obviously making money and building up a profile from from boxing yeah. where does life take you now obviously you've got your lovely lady you've got you know your your, your own brand you've got yeah. a great profile online i mean yeah. what's next for you what do you do now um so for me it's weird i like to set myself little goals so hence last year it was the book i wrote um this year it's kind of been more of trying to push my gym that i'm trying to to get like stuff to do more work with kids so right that's with your brand there now yeah treasure yes yes why well, treasure that's actually my mum's name my granddad's name so it's my my mum's name my granddad's name so i basically use my mum's name and my dad's name and bring it together so hence you have me and um so so yeah so hence right now it's just kind of just trying to push my gym and, and work with more kids because as i said as, well as we said the sport does so much good work for the community and um as i'm retired now you know i would like to kind of sit on that path so that's what i'm kind of doing now is to work with the young kids and and it's kind of the same sort of question but 41 years of yeah. age where do you actually see yourself in five or ten years from now Five or ten years from now, um, I would like to have a few gyms open and be abroad doing my work there. Go back abroad. I want to go back abroad. America? So, I don't really care where, but it's like I like I, I left Floyd Mayweather to come back home to have my world tour to um to fight back home. I've done I've done that. I'm doing my gym now. And um, I want to get some more gyms open, just work with as many kids as I can. And then I want to go abroad again and do it over there as well. So I kind of, that's right now in my head, that's what I want to do, just push my gym and just work with kids. That's kind of my mind frame. Good, good man. Okay, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Um, at Ashley Fiofane on all platforms. All right, good stuff. I've got one more question to ask you. Go on. So when I got into business for myself, mm. um, Deep down, or should I say, stripping everything away, mm. I'm, I'm a salesperson. Okay. And sales is very similar to boxing. It's all mm. about mindset. Yes. You know, it's about perseverance. It's about the hard work, dedication. It's, yeah. it's all that stuff. Yeah. And I come up with my own slogan, which mm. is this. Be happy, never content. Okay, that's actually So if cool. I were to ask Ashley, fear pain. Is fear, fame, fear, fear, fame, fame, fear, fame. fear, 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 I was practicing it badly before this. <laughs> fear, fear, Ashley, fear, fame. Yeah, go on, yeah. What does be happy, never content mean to you? means to me to push yourself to be the best. You know what I mean? Like, as, as I say, you can always achieve a goal, but it's always <clears> a new goal. So for me, it's to push yourself um, to always be your best and to never give up. Good man. Thank you very much for your time. Love. If you're enjoying this uh, podcast and this episode, definitely give Ashley a follow. Right. Um, you probably do anyway. And um, yeah, please leave a comment and share this. And uh, one more thing I'm going to say is I'll, Floyd, Badu Jack and those kind of fighters, they're, they're some of like people I've looked up to, including okay. you. And uh, okay. if there was ever a way to get into there and yeah. do, do a podcast with them, okay. that'd be fantastic. Okay. But thank you for your time, brother. All right, man. Nice it's all one. Good. It's all good. Nice one.